1934. Pete Seeger was being dragged to hear Aaron Copeland, of all people. So it came out of that same impulse, beginning in the mid-30s, to uh, blend culture and politics in a kind of populist vein that came out in the 40s in, in Copeland's orchestral work with things like Fanfare for the Common Man, where the title kind of tells you what it's about. And so that world, which was not that disconnected completely from Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie, the figures that we know shaped Dylan's work, it was part of a force field that Dylan inherited. Now, Dylan didn't listen to Aaron Copeland and then go out and write Blown in the Wind. But nevertheless, if you want to understand that broader frame of reference, I think Copeland actually helps you understand it a lot. And what Copeland did, um, incorporating folk music, not that different from what Dylan did with the lefty folk operas Pirate Jenny and Three Penny Opera. Well, I, I'm glad you see the parallel, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about the, the Three Penny Opera connection was that a, yet another one of these American composers who was around in the 30s, a man named Mark Blitzstein, whom the listeners might remember as the composer of a f sort of left-wing folk opera called The Cradle Will Rock, it was Blitzstein's translation of the Three Penny Opera, which was playing off-Broadway in the late 1950s and then had a small revival when Dylan was in New York. It was that translation, especially of Pirate Jenny, that bowled Dylan over when he went to hear it. By noontime, the dock is all swarming with men coming off of that ghostly freighter. They're moving in the shadows where no one can see and they're chaining out people and bringing them to me, asking me, kill them now or later. Listening to a singer named Mickey Grant sing Pirate Jenny, but it was Mark Blitzstein's words, you know, and so when you see what happened with how Dylan appropriated that, not, not so much the melody, but the words and the imagery, again, you're taken back to 1930s left-wing New York, so it all kind of connects. Then they'll raise their hands, saying we'll meet all your demands, but we'll shout from the bow, your days are numbered, and like Pharaoh's tribe, they'll be drowned in the tide, and like Goliath, they'll be interesting looking at Dylan, isn't it? You've got this early period when he was in New York playing in Washington Square, playing with Dave Van Ronk and mm -hmm. Peter, Paul and Mary and, and hanging around with Pete Seeger. And then there is that kind of, oh, God, it's just not going to work. None of this is going to make any difference period when he remained a great artist, but moved away from it. So a lot of people think of him as a poser, somebody who was just in politics because it was a way to get advanced. You don't see him at all that way. I've heard that, and um, I can't imagine someone writing, I don't know, Blown in the Wind or Oxford Town. Um, I can't imagine anybody doing all of that and doing it all cynically. There's no question that Bob Dylan was very ambitious. He has said in his memoir that, you know, destiny was staring at him and only at him and he was going to follow. But, you know, I think that Dylan is the kind of artist who has gone through many different phases, all of them sincere, 
but all of them up for questioning. And um, he never settles in too comfortably into any one of them. He's got a very restless muse, and the muse leads him in very different directions. So I think that, you know, by the time we got to the end of 1963, he got to the end of 1963, after the Kennedy assassination, which I think actually had a great impact on him as it did on everyone, a great trauma, I think that he was not just dissatisfied with politics, but I think he wanted to move in a different vein artistically. He wanted to express things that he couldn't express, simply talking about politics. And he wanted to do it in a language that you couldn't do within the, the form of conventional folk music. You could do it with a guitar and harmonicas, but you couldn't do it with that kind of language. So he moved on. But Dylan has done this throughout his career. And it's not because, you know, I mean... <laughs> Let's jump to the late 1970s when he starts writing his um, gospel music. I mean, if you were thinking of a really shrewd career move, I don't think that moving into gospel music in the late 1970s was it. Well, especially not for Bob Dylan. You wouldn't expect him to go there at all. That's right. But, but he had a genuine religious conversion. He genuinely became a Christian. And that